0: For worship? Ooh, am I loud? Is that good? OK. I wanted to share I wanted to share about this song that we're going to sing first this morning. You guys can stand. Go ahead and stand. So the first song, it's called "You came," and it's about Lazarus. So I don't know, maybe everybody in the room knows about Lazarus. I'm guessing not, so I'm going to share. So the story of Lazarus, he was a friend of Jesus. And long story short, he got sick and he died. And when he died, everybody was around his grave and they were crying and they were sad and they were hoping that Jesus would have showed up sooner. And I think we can all relate with that. Like we all wish sometimes that Jesus would have shown up sooner. But the beautiful part of the story, and, and it's for you too, is that Jesus came. Like, he came anyways. He came, and he was weeping outside the grave with everyone else. And in this story, I want the kids to hear this. This story, it's, it's of divine authority. So, like, Jesus called Lazarus out of that grave. He brought him back to life. He wants to bring you out of your grave this morning. He wants to bring you back to life. So this story reminds us that no matter how lost, how broken, how dead we may feel, God has the ability to breathe life into our situation. He brings hope, he brings healing, he brings restoration. He's our hero, he is our hero. Jesus is the ultimate source of that life-giving power and he is here this morning with us. So we're gonna worship. So just think about that this morning, like he is here in the house, he is the ultimate hero. And whatever you're going through, he wants wants to help you. He wants to call you out of your grave and breathe life into you.
1: You stood outside my grave with tears still.
2: What to do?
3: If you need help this morning, Jesus is our hero, amen.
2: And I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you. big God. Amen. Hallelujah our God.
4: That was quick I want to can I get something in the background something kind and sweet when you talk about people's money they get a little freaky so you want to have something a little bit calmer Israel learned this early on in their relationship with God Leviticus 27:30. It says, every tithe of the land, whether it's of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And then they kind of fell away from God. And through time lost the knowledge of what they were supposed to be doing in trusting God. So they lost their trust in God. And they found the word of God and they read it. And the word of God told them what to do to obey the, the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. And in Second Chronicles chapter 31 verse 5, the Bible says, as soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the, fruits of the, uh, the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, and honey and all the produce of their field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Sometimes we can forget that God is the one that provides for us. And we get an opportunity to trust him. And, and I th- I, I've been wrestling with this, guys. I just, I've just been thinking, why in the time when, I think, like, it's six fifty for an 18-pack of eggs. Eggs. I'm going to have to get chickens. I don't want chickens. Everything's so expensive right now. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how some of you are going to ever buy a home because it's it's too much. And sometimes we forget that God can do miracles in these areas. He can give you the 650 for the eggs. I was I was praying that in the store. Dear God. I wasn't asking for it cheaper. I was just asking for him to give me the 650 to pay for the eggs. Because I trust that God's going to provide for me cuz God has always provided for me. As long as I trust him, do you trust him today? We've got several ways to give. I don't know if they even put that screen up or that uh, slide up anymore. There we go. Several ways to give. But you want to start with here: Do I trust God for 650 for a carton of eggs? You laugh. Wait till you go to the store. Now you're going to be cussing the, the eggs. Let's pray. Father, we trust you today there are people in this room, they're struggling to pay their rent. They're struggling to afford to feed their family. They're struggling in Aries' Father, and, and you're telling us to trust you. You're telling us that we can rely on you. We're telling us, you're, you're telling us that, that if we trust you, that you'll provide for us. We need some miracles in the homes of the people of New Life Church today but it starts with us trusting you first. So Father, where we don't trust you, let us get that right. Let's put our faith in the God that provides. If you'll feed the birds, you'll feed us. If you'll clothe, I can't remember what the verse says, you'll clothe us. If everyone else has a home, if all the animals have homes, you'll give us a home. But we've got to trust you. Please open our hearts to trusting you today. Father, please, if there's somebody in the room that is struggling with, with providing for their family, they would just put their faith in you and obey what you say. And you promise to fill their barns with plenty. Some of them would just like a barn. We're looking to you, Father, you are where our help comes from. You are where our help comes from. Moving us today to trust you. And Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. We got one more song.
3: I uh last few weeks have been struggling with some grief over a loved one. Um and this song, uh Just on the tails of what pastor just said this song talks about god and how big god is um the first verse says time runs its race within your hands i'm always late to everything but god is in control of time like that's how big our god is um and if that wasn't enough uh the second verse says um where is it uh When justice called for all my debts, the friend of sinners came instead. The song is called Here Now, which means that a big God whose time runs in his hands and that he showed up when I fell short is here, right here, right now for me. So my prayer this morning is that we can see God for who he is this morning and that he is right here with us, that we can do whatever needs to be done because God's with us. Amen.
2: It's God's been there dance within your breath. Time runs its race within your hand My mind runs wild to comprehend No mind on earth could understand Your is are higher Your thoughts are wild No sense, but this is grace. And I know you're.
4: Father, we believe that Jesus is with us right now. That your spirit is indwelling us right now, trying to speak to our hearts to encourage us to trust you, to feel loved by you, to know the kind of love that you have for us that we can give to others. Here now, here now, you are here now. Open our hearts up to you today. Let us receive from you the miracle that we're seeking, the hope that we're needing, the love that we're missing. Encourage our hearts today. We love you in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Y'all may be seated. And kids you are, oh thank you. And kids you are dismissed. moving for me. I don't, want, I don't want to sing to her sideways. I want to sing to her straight on. We've been in a series that have been trying to teach you how to have a love song for your spouse. If you're not with someone right now, you want to learn that that's what they need from you. you they need to hear a love song from you. And you guys, I know it's hard for you. But you can do it. It doesn't matter how it sounds. They don't care that you can't sing. They care that you're trying to sing their love song to them. Amen? So you just got to open yourself up a little bit and put yourself out there. See, I'm singing Brian Adams songs in front of strangers. And some of you that I know. But I'm really singing it to her. See, every Sunday we come in and we sing songs of worship to God. We bring him praise. We give him honor. We give him love. We share the love from our hearts in that way. There's no reason why you can't do that with your spouse. Well, I might get embarrassed. A little embarrassment isn't a bad thing. fact, it's called humility. One last song. The series is ending today. We're going to talk about intensity. Um, Do you have that verse? Let's go ahead and put it up on the wall. Song of Solomon 8, 6, and 7. This is my new favorite verse ever. Every once in a while, you'll run into a verse that just speaks to you at the moment, and there's just a a beauty in it, we'll get to there. So you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles if you want to Song of Solomon chapter 8, In verse 6 and 7. But I got to sing to my wife. I swear to you. I will always be there for you. There's nothing I won't do. I promise you. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? All my life I will live for you. We will make it through. Forever. We will be together, you and me. When I get to hold you, there's nothing that can compare. That was terrible. (laughs) With all of my heart, you know I'll always be right there. I believe in us. Nothing else could ever mean so much. You are the one I trust. Our time has come, we're not two people, we're now one, you're second to none. Forever we will be together, family. The more I get to know you, there's nothing can compare. I'll get it. With all of my heart, you know I'll always be right there. Now if I can do that, you can do that. And I'm not asking you to come up. Yeah, no. No, no. That deserves prayer is what that deserves. (laughs) Grace. Deborah can filter out the bad sound and take the love from it, but I'll always be right there. There are a lot of ways that I could have gone with this season, this series. And I'm guaranteeing you there's a lot that I left out. I probably left you with more questions than answers. And let me just tell you what to do with those questions. Go to God. Say, God, what did you mean when you said this? What did you mean when your word said that? What did you mean when this is what I heard and this is what I felt? And let God answer those questions. I simply wanted to give the basics of what a love song looks like. It begins with interest it becomes intimacy. If you're not careful, it'll become infidelity. Last week was depressing. I, I didn't like it because I don't, I don't like what that does to a relationship. But today we're going to look at intensity. And every good relationship should have intensity. The Song of Solomon is a, is a positive relational book that every couple should read together. And giggle through. It's good for you. Break down the illustrations and make them fit into modern day uh, thought, which takes a little bit of work. But see, that's what I'm I'm afraid of with the relationship. We're almost too lazy on relationship. We want it to be easy. If you've been married more than five years, you know it, that five years was not easy, because you're taking two people and trying to make them one. And if you've been married for almost 40 years like Deborah and I have, you got to realize there's been a lot of difficult times. There's been a lot of hard times, a lot of struggles, a lot of battles that she's won most of them. Wow, I didn't get much response there. (laughs) And I won't tell you why she's won most of them, but she's probably more right than I am. So I want to end this the way that I believe that this Song of Solomon ends. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. This is the bride speaking to the one that she loves. This is the bride speaking to the one that she loves. And she says this. Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. It's the only reason I like this version, because jealousy is fierce as the grave. It flashes flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. What I'm hoping to do today is open up the scripture in a way that makes it very clear what she is saying to him. And it's something that we should all be saying to our spouses. Again, if you're single, you wanna find somebody who you could say this to. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I, I just wanna thank you for your word that we can see from what your word says, what we're supposed to be seeing in our own lives. And Father, this is not a deep passage of scripture. This is not hard to, to transfer into living. It's not hard to bring into our relationship with you. I think we make it hard because we don't actually look at what you're saying. So, open our hearts up today. Father, I asked you earlier this week to please give me something today that's going to help these people. Help those that are struggling in their marriage. Help those that are strong in their marriage stay strong. And those that aren't even married, that they'll know what to be looking for when they come to find that one person. Open our hearts up today. We love you. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. Got to turn my page. She says several things that we want to look at. We'll just break it down real quick. Set me as a seal. Set me as a seal. A seal in that day meant that it was, uh, it was sealed by the person who sealed it, and it, was, it can't be changed. Like once something was sealed, it was, it was permanent. So this set me as a seal was an idea of the permanence of her love for him. It was sealed. It's a love that is worn, set as a seal upon your heart. It was a love that was worn, signifying possession or covenant, meaning that this love was seen by other people. It was worn the way he loved her, or the way she loved him, I mean. She wants it known that her love is imprinted on his heart and his arm. Let me just simply say it this way. Her love is what he feels and fights for. He feels her love. Couples, your spouse should feel your love. They should know when you're with them, they they just feel like if there's anyone that loves them, you're the one that loves them. I know this, you can all hate me. She's gonna love me. I feel, how do I know that? Because I feel her love. I I feel others' love too, but in your marriage, you wanna feel that love. And it's what he fights for. That's the the picture of the arm is the picture of strength and it's what he fights for. I want to feel the love of my wife and I want to fight for it. I want to fight for my wife's love. Are you with me? I want to feel it. I should be able to feel it. And by feeling the love that I get from Deborah, I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight you for it. I'm going to fight others. I'm going to fight for me to have the love that she has to give to me. I'm gonna fight for it. Not fight her for it. I'm gonna to fight to, to give her the kind of love that causes her to love me. Set as a seal upon my, my heart and my arm. She then describes her love as, love is as strong as death. And that just means that death is again another picture of permanence. Her love is strong as death. Death, when when it takes you, it's it's permanent. Now, I know you're going to get hyper-spiritual on me and you're going to say, well, with Jesus Christ, we can be raised from the dead. And I know all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about love being, death doesn't change it. It's permanent. He goes on to say that jealousy, not the green-eyed monster, but an assertion of the rightful claim of possession, is as fierce as the grave. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Not jealous of what they have or what she doesn't have or whatever. It's saying that I literally, I'm jealous over the love. I I, want to protect it. I want to take care of it. I want to nurture it. I want to own it. And she goes on to say, it's as fierce as the grave. The grave once inhabited never releases what's entered into it. Her love is so fierce, let me just say it this way. Her love is so fierce, she's never going to let go of it. This woman loved him so much that she would be fierce. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not going to let it go. The origin of our love was lit in the fire of God's love for us. It's flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. It's a love that's so persevering that it cannot be quenched by water or by flood. It's a love... That cannot be bought and it might be suggested it can't be sold. The Beatles sang it best when they said money can't buy me love. And I'm not singing that song for you today. I sing to her no Beatles songs today. In fact, the thought of love being bought was offensive to this woman. It's a love that is fierce, and I just couldn't get that out of my mind. I spent the week just meditating on the idea that the love that we're supposed to have for a spouse should be fierce. We should fight for it. We should be jealous over it, watchful, careful, cautious. That's the kind of love that she's saying she has for her spouse. It's a love that is fierce, but it's also very rare. Deborah and I used to go to, oh, I shouldn't say this, I will. Deborah and I used to go to preachers meetings and we would spend most of the time as, as young, as a young pastoral couple, like in our mid thirties, ministering to older pastors and older pastors wives who just didn't love any each other anymore. I mean, we just spent so much time ministering to broken couples who were in ministry. You would think that if anyone would have love together, it would be a pastor and his wife. But I'm amazed at the number of pastors and wives do not love each other. This kind of love that she's talking about is rare. But that doesn't mean it can't be reached. And I I want you to understand that it can be reached. You don't understand, Pastor, how broken my marriage is. I, I, I get how broken marriages get. But I know how God can fix them. Excuse me for believing that God could make things work when we just trust in him. See, amen. <laughs> See, this kind of love is not a natural love. When we read this, we think, well, it's not, it's not natural. Because natural love seeks to control. Because it's based on fear, not faith. Natural love is weak because it's more of a feeling than a fact. And I don't know about you, but some days I just wake up and I don't, wanna, I don't feel like I want to love. I feel like I want to eat. And if you've been married very long, you know there's days you wake up, and you just don't feel like you love your spouse the way that you should. You just don't feel it. So feelings are an unstable base to base anything on. But that's the natural way to love. Natural love is mild. It lets go so easy. I'm amazed at the number of people who claim they love each other. And they, they go through... A difficult season, not moment, but season. And seasons could be years. And we just walk away. We just give up on love. And I'm not saying you just walk away from the love that you had. You just give up on loving anyone or ever being loved. Natural love's origin is the heart which is emotionally based and is born out of the heart of man, not of God. So it makes sense that we would feel this way. Natural love ebbs and flows depending on the difficulties or the ease of life. I love you if things are going good. And I hear that that from couples all the time. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. Everything's going wonderful. And then wait till something happens and then it's like, I hate him, I hate her. We're getting divorced. It's too hard. And it just depends on whether things are easy or hard. And sometimes... And Deborah and I've been married long enough to know there's been multiple times that have been just hard seasons. Whether it was things going on with our family, or things going on with our health, or things going on with our, our ourselves. And natural love can be bought and sold cheaply. I'm amazed at the number of husbands that will think that if they just get their wife the right house, I'll make her happy. There was a a movement years ago and I'm saying movement because it was going through pastors, even in this area who were saying happy wife, happy life. Not true. Because sometimes to get a happy wife, you've got to go bury yourself in debt and that doesn't make you happy. Well, if I get her the right house, if I get her the right car, I I can't believe how easy it is to feel love because your husband buys you a car or your wife buys you a gun. Does that make you all happy? She bought me a gun. She must love me. No, she just wants you to go hunting so you're out of the house. (laughs) It doesn't mean the same thing. This love spoken by the woman of the Song of Solomon, and the reason this book was written is that it portrays a love that is not a natural love, it is a supernatural love. It's not normal, it's not human. It's from God. It's the kind of love that is born from God. Its origin comes from God. And if you don't find this love in God, your love will wane in your relationship with your spouse. It's the same kind of love that Jesus had for the church. I love that Jesus loved the church the way he loves the church. And to experience it in its full intent, you must understand it from a God perspective. Without God's perspective, you'll never really understand love. And you never get the love that you're looking for. And I believe there are people in this room that are looking for love. Not in all the wrong places. Stop going into those songs. It's only my generation that thinks those things. The younger generation is saying, where does that song come from? They're going to Google it right now. Don't, please don't. (laughs) See, if we can understand the love that God has for us, and if we can love the way that God loves us, you'll have the kind of love that is intense with your spouse. The closer that Deborah and I have gotten to God, the closer we've gotten to each other. The more intimate we've gotten with God, the more intimate we've gotten to each other. The more interest we've shown in God, the more interest we've found in each other. You say, well, I've been going to church my whole life. That that doesn't mean anything. Well, I've been reading my Bible my whole life. That doesn't mean anything if you don't apply it. So this love comes from God's perspective and it's an intense kind of love. So let me give you a few things, then I'm gonna give you a few things, and then we're gonna go home. So I'm gonna give you... Seven few things. I think it's seven. It might be nine. God's love is a fierce yet permanent love. Let me just give you the verse. We're, we're, I'm not going to have you go to the verses. I'm just going to read them. Psalm 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. God's love is permanent. It's steadfast. It doesn't change depending on what you do or where you're going, what you're going through. And it's permanent. It's uh, forever love. It endures forever. It endures forever. God's love endures forever. God never stops loving you. No matter what you do, God never stops loving you. Ever does he stop loving you. That's the kind of love I'm supposed to have for my wife. A kind of love that's enduring. That it never stops. No matter what we're going through. Because I love her. It's a fierce love that won't let go. Now I do want you to turn here. I just said, I'm not going to make you turn, but I do want you to turn here. John chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you go to Acts, you're too far. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 10:28. Did I say 1028? I use this verse when I talk to people about Jesus Christ. Jesus said this. I give them eternal life. And when Jesus gives you eternal life, they will never perish. And no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. My father has, who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father or one, let me illustrate it this way. I have a granddaughter who for the first five years of her life, every Friday, which which was my day off, was my day to be with Bria. And we just spent the day together. Deborah was working, her mom was working, and me and Bria, I wasn't working, and so me and Bria would just spend the day together. So from the age of, I don't know, six months old to about five years old before she went to school, it was me and her. And I had a a brown Ford F-150 that was a piece of junk, thanks Nick, And uh, we would get in that truck and we would drive all over the place. It would rattle and bang. She would sit in the middle. It was just me and her. She would sit in the middle. We were sitting side by side. It was awesome. And we would go everywhere together. And we would go places. And when we would go, she was kind of like her mother. And that she never kind of wanted to hang with you. She wanted to run off. So I would grab her hand and hold it tight. And no one was going to snatch her out of my hand. If you tried to grab my granddaughter out of my hand, I was, we were going to split her in two. That's what was going to happen because I wasn't going to let go of my side. Because I was not going to let anyone take her from me. Because she was my granddaughter. She was my responsibility. And not only did, did, was I worried about people snatching her, I was worried about her wandering off. Because she had this habit of trusting people. And she would go up to strangers and say Hi. And I'm like, no, no, no. So I spent a lot of time doing this. And you know how when they're literally they kind of dragged behind you, so you're doing a lot of this? But I wasn't letting go. I wasn't going to let go. She was, she's the only granddaughter I have. I was going to watch over her. That's what Jesus is saying here. That once you become born again, and you've been given eternal life, and you'll never perish. You're placed in the hand of Jesus, and he grabs a hold of your hand and says, I'm not going to let you go. No one's going to take you out of my hand. He goes on to say, if that's not enough, if you need more understanding, if that's not enough, my Father who is greater than all, how great is God? How great is God? Is there anyone or anything that is greater than God? Is there anyone stronger than God? Is there anyone tougher than God? Is there anyone who would fight harder for you than God? He says, my father which gave to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck him out of my father's hand. You think Jesus holding tight is enough. Wait till God the father holds tight to you. You're not going to let he's not going to let you go. His love is fierce. God's love is fierce. God's love is fierce. He will not let you go. You think you can get away, but he's just going to keep dragging you back. Some of you are proof of that. You fell away from God and now you're back. You tried to run away and he said, no, 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 you ain't getting away from me. You're my child. I love you. You're staying with me. And he'd put you in the truck and put you right in the seat, the car seat right next to him. Because that's the safest place to put a baby in a 79, 79 Ford. It's a fierce love. God loves you. And if you belong to him, you can't get away from him. It's a love so fierce that even death can't kill it. Even death can't hear it, kill it. Let's, I'm going to make you go to this too. Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. Romans 8 verse 38. This is the love that God has for you. This this is where love comes from. Romans 8, 38. For I am sure, that can be taken as, for I am positive, that neither death, that neither death, that neither death, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation. If I forgot to mention anything, I just want you to know, there's nothing else in all of creation. Just in case you're thinking you can get away from this, there's nothing else in all creation. Not death, not life, not angels, not rulers, not things present, not things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can't be separated from the love of God. That's right. That's my God. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have in our marriage. That Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, not even death is going to sever us. When, when, if Deborah dies before me, I'm still going to be married to her. She's still my wife. That doesn't change. Two become one. I'll still be in love with her. If I die, she'll still be in love with me. It's a love born out of God's fierce character. First John chapter 4 in verse 7 I cherry picked my favorite Bible verses out of the Bible that's the benefit of getting to be a preacher is you get to choose the best verses out of the Bible 1 John 4 7 that's go to Revelation and then come back a couple books like 3 or 4 they're just little tiny ones 1 John 4 7 This is just, I just want to add to this. This is the word of God we're using. This is not something that was created by man. These are not my ideas. Somebody asked me the other day, why do you use so many stupid scriptures? Not stupid scriptures, but it's kind of the thought. Because I want to convince you that this is what God says, not what I say. This is what God says about his character. Beloved, I love it when he starts out saying, beloved, because what he's saying is, I love you. One of the first things Deborah and I say to each other when we wake up is, I love you. She said something yesterday. She, she came up to me on the couch and said, did I tell you I loved you today? And I, and I was brokenhearted because I didn't even notice that she didn't tell me that she loved me. So I wasn't paying attention. So I got to pay more attention to that. Because it's important to start your day with, I love you. And it's not an, I love you because, oh, I love you. It's like, she really sincerely loves me. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from who? Love is from God. Love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And he's talking about a supernatural love, not a natural love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is what? God himself, who he is, what he is, is love. He's love. In this, the love of God was made manifest or shown among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Sacrifice is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or the sacrifice for our sins. And beloved, if God so loves us, we, ought to also, we also ought to love one another. See, when you know how God loves you, you know how to love those with you're with. Supernatural love comes from knowing a supernatural God who loves you and gave his son for you to pay for your sins and sacrifice his own son as a payment for the penalty of my sin. Love is from God. God is love. God showed us this love by Jesus paying for our sins. Because he loved this way, we ought to love that way. Does that make sense to you? The way God loves is the way we're supposed to love. The way we're supposed to have, and his love is such a fierce love. Love. It's a love that's forever fierce. He's talking to the children of Israel in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 10. He says, for the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed. But my steadfast love shall not depart from you. Mountains might move. Hills might be removed. Difficulties are gonna come. And I might remove them, but my love will never go. I'll always love you. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. It's forever fierce. And I know I use that term forever a lot, but that's what love should be. It shouldn't be temporary. And you can't buy fierceness, you can buy passion. You can buy excitement. You can't buy fierceness. Let me give you the verse. Ephesians 2. Oh, no, we need to go there. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, 4 through 6, and then 8 and 9. So Ephesians 2. You can't buy fierceness. Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he goes on in verses eight and nine and says, for by grace, you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the, give me the word, gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't buy his love. It is foolish to think that you could buy him off to pay for your sins. He had to send his own son to pay for your sins. You got, you don't got enough. You don't got enough goodness. You don't got enough goods. You don't got enough anything to buy his love. It's so fierce. You can't buy it. You. Jesus going to the cross is viewed as the passion of the Christ. His sacrifice is not required by us to have love from Him. It is required by us to be saved by Him. There's a poem that was writ- written by a person by the, just the, I get the initial E and then Fox. But I wanted to give credit where credit's due. And they write, there is no difficulty that enough love will not conquer. No disease that enough love will not heal. No door that that enough love will not open. And no gulf that enough love will not bridge. No wall that enough love will not throw down. No sin that enough love will not redeem. It makes no difference how deeply seated may be the trouble, how hopeless the outlook, how muddled the tangle, how great the mistake, a sufficient sufficient realization of love will dissolve it all. If you could only love enough, you would be the happiest, most powerful being in the world. If you could just love enough, if you could just love the way that God loves, there's nothing that could stop you feeling love. The love that Deborah and I have for each other started with a natural love, but daily and over time has become a supernatural love. And we've realized that there's nothing that we have gone through, not any trial or tribulation or trouble with our kids or problems in the family or financial whatever, or attitudes towards each other, nothing can stop the fact that love solves all those problems. All we have to do is give ourselves to each other and love solves the problem. But it does require a couple of things and I'm going to read this and then we're going to be done. Because I want to, I want to leave you with the idea that you need to do a couple of things to have the, the, the marriage that you need. You must be willing to love first. You must be willing to love first. God's love is stated in this. We love because he first loved us. He taught us how to love. So so somebody's got to start in your relationship. If you're struggling in your relationship and you're struggling with love and you're having a battle uh, with each other, somebody's got to start loving first. Someone has to start it. Well, it's not going to be me. Well, then don't be complaining when you don't get the kind of love that God offers. We love him because he loved us first. I am loved by my wife because my wife learned to love me first. I didn't know how to love. I struggled with love. I uh, didn't experience it in the way that I think we probably should as children. But I met this human being that God Placed into my life, and and she just loved me the way that God loved me, even before she knew who God was. And I learned how to love from this woman that God gave me. And if she wouldn't have loved me first, my insecurities would have kept me from loving her back. It started with her. It started with her. Somebody had to start it. I don't care who gets the praise. As long as love is received by somebody who is the first to say I love you somebody's got to start Let me give you the second thing Our capability to love comes from God changing our hearts Sorry that goes with the first one my pages stopped Second thing I want you to know is a willingness, you need to have a willingness to forgive 490 times in a day. And when you forgive 490 times in a day, that forgiveness includes casting it as far as the east is from the west. So that when you forgive somebody for their, for their trespass, you cast it as far as the east is from the west. So the next time they come unto you and they do the same thing again and they ask for forgiveness, you're supposed to forgive them as if they only did it the first time. So out of that 490 times, they might do something 490 times and you might have to forgive them 490 times, but it's the same thing 490 times. But you've got to cast it away as if it was the first time. Let me give you the verse. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others' trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's not the cast away part, that's the forgiveness part. If you are forgiven by God, you're responsible to forgive people who have wronged you. And to, ca- and to forgive the way that Jesus forgave you, which is casting your sin away. If you got into heaven and you said to Jesus, Tell me about Andy Roberts's sin, he would say, What sin? No, no, no. You need to tell me what Andy Roberts did this week. What kind of sin he committed. I need to know what he did. No, no, no. He's going to say, what sin? He asked for forgiveness. I forgave him. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. I can't find his sin. That's a problem with most relationships. We can easily remember what was done to us 20 years ago. Because you haven't forgiven you're not forgiven. Because if you were forgiven, you would understand what forgiveness means and you would respond to others the way that you've been responded to by God. Your spouse would trespass, sin against you. And you'd say, okay, this is is like the first time, even though it's 40 times that day. See, we don't like that because that's not natural love. That's not how we forgive naturally because we think logically if he's going to do it 490 times in a day, I'm going to forgive him about four times a day and then I'm going to hold it against him the rest of the time. I'm going to keep count. How many of you are in a relationship where your spouse keeps count? Don't raise your hands. I've forgiven you, but I won't forget. I am sure glad that you're not God. I really am. You don't last forty years in a marriage without sinning against each other multiple times, but you don't stay together if you don't learn how to forgive the way that God forgives. She's had to forgive me of a lot. Like, I don't think I could count four hundred ninety times in in the forty years we've been together. I could count easily several days that were four hundred ninety times that day. Like. I could feel the, the, the alarm going off. You're getting close. Beep, beep, beep. 487, 488, 489. Oh, okay, I gotta stop. I'm gonna run out of forgiveness. But she did. Third thing real quick. Turn to Luke chapter six and verse 32. Because if you're gonna love the way that God loves You've got to love those who often don't deserve love. You've got to love those that don't deserve love. Again, that is not logical. That is not natural. That is not the way that people love today. That's the way Christians are supposed to love. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those to whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your what? Enemies. And do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you'll be the sons of the Most High. For He's kind and grateful to, the, to the, He's kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. See, we want to only love those that love us back. That's not the kind of love that God has for you. Because there was a time that you didn't love God. You didn't care about God. You lived your life the way that you wanted. You didn't care that God was the creator. You didn't care about God for anything. And you literally were not good. Yet God sent his son to save you from your sins. And he saved you from your sin, the the evil that you've done. And you didn't deserve that salvation. You did not deserve his son to die to pay for your sin. But he did it. Because you couldn't save yourself. That's how much love he has for you. Why then do we not forgive people who don't deserve it? Because you didn't deserve it. Did you deserve forgiveness? Did you deserve forgiveness? But you received it. You took it. did you deserve forgiveness? Then why don't we forgive people who have wronged us, especially the one that we're married to? We don't forgive because we think we're God. We don't realize we're but dust. And if God forgave you of everything that you've ever done, and everything that you'll ever do, why wouldn't you forgive? First John 1, nine says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what we should be doing with our spouses. Helping them change by loving them first through the idea of forgiveness. Let me give you the last thought. The last thing I want you to recognize, if you're gonna make this work, if you're gonna make your marriage work, if you're gonna make relationship work, never give up. And I know that's harder than it sounds. But turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse seven. When I was a teenager, my youth leader was in 1 Corinthians 13 for the three years I was in the youth group. He never got out of 1 Corinthians 13 and I don't know if it ever worked except for I'm now saying that he helped me a lot with the idea of love. First Corinthians 13, verse seven. Love bears all things. Not love bears some things, not love bears certain things, but there's certain things that love doesn't cover, uh, carry. Love bears all things. Love bears all things. I'm just telling you what the scripture says that love bears or puts up with or carries all things. Love believes all things. My wife believed that God would change me because I wasn't doing the right thing. So she prayed because she believed that that God would change me because she loved me. She prayed for me instead of prayed on me. because she knew that the only hope for me learning how to love is if I learned who God was and how he loved. I've told you this story numerous times. She would pray for me, and I would start making changes, and I would would go to her and say, "I'm, I'm convicted of this sin, and God's doing a great work in me, and I'm so awesome, and I'm so perfect. Three years later, she says, I was praying for each time that God changed your heart, and she named specific things that were major milestones in my spiritual life. That I thought was just me and God talking, not realizing she was cheating and talking to God (laughs) about me. And God then was saying, okay, I'm gonna answer her prayer (coughs) against him. (laughs) Praise God for a wife that prays. It hopes all things. Love hopes. Love hopes that it'll work out. Love hopes that we're gonna get through this season. Love hopes that it's gonna get better. Love hopes, love hopes, love hopes, love hopes. Love endures all things. It endures all things. We, we quit so easily today because we don't wanna endure any difficulty. We think that everything should be easy. I'm starting a series next week. We're gonna, I think we're going to start in the book of Acts, but it's really in the book of Luke or John or Matthew or Mark. We're going to start somewhere in that general area. Gospels, Acts, Romans, Corinthians. We'll, we'll be there somewhere. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm losing my train of thought. But the disciples had to endure, endure a lot of things. But they fought for love, and we things are so, this generation. That's where I was going. This generation, it, anything hard, you guys quit so quickly. And I realized you had a tough life. I realized this is a tough time to be alive. That's where I was going because I'm going to talk about a little bit about the last 27 years of pastoral ministry what's changed in the world in the last 27 years. Anybody remember um, the 2000s when all the computers were supposed to take over the world? I remember churches having prayer vigils on that night because the world was coming to an end in 2000, Y2K. And then we had 9-11 and America got rocked because we thought we were safe and we aren't. There's a world that doesn't like America. And then the economy crashed in 2007. And a whole bunch of other things happened that we'll talk about next week, but then COVID happened. I survived pastoring through COVID. (laughs) This next generation is gonna get worse things in COVID. I don't know what that's gonna be. Because you couldn't make a right decision to the world without Christians complaining about whatever decision you made. And I'm still here. Probably because I can't get another job. (laughs) Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never ends. Prophecies, tongues knowledge all pass away, but not love, not love. In fact, the greatest thing that is available to us today is the love of God. But when we get the love of God, we can have the love of our spouse. And I know some of you in this room, you're wanting that. You're wanting to feel that love. So let me say this. Can you sing this to your spouse? I swear to you, I'll always be there for you. There's nothing I won't do. I promise you all my life, I will live for you. We'll make it through. Forever, together, you and me. When I hold you, nothing can compare. With all of my heart, you know, you know, I'll always be right there. That's a song that Jesus sings over each one of us who belong to him. And it's a song that you should be able to sing to your spouse. If you're interested in them, if you like them, if you're intimate with them, you'll sacrifice your life for them. You want to be one with them. And you haven't crossed the line of infidelity, which makes it really muddy and messy. But then if you can forgive that, that can even be restored and you can have the kind of love that God has for you. There is no difficulty. There is nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if you have that kind of love with your spouse, you can be together forever. So here's what I want to challenge you with before we go. In fact, let's stand real quick. And let's bring the worship team up. If you do not have the love of Christ in you, if Jesus Christ is not your savior, this kind of love is going to be awkward for you. It's going to be hard. Do you have the love of Jesus indwelling you? Are you born again? Have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? Does the Spirit of God indwell you? But you're struggling in your relationship, you're struggling in your marriage. If Christ is in you, and you are a Christian, my suggestion to you is to pray and ask God to give you the kind of love that he has for you, for them. If you're single, pray, God, send me somebody who can love me the way that that you love me. Meaning this, if you're single, send me somebody who loves God way more than me. When my wife got saved, she fell in love with another man. His name is Jesus Christ. And yes, I got jealous for a while because she was so passionate about his love and his grace and his mercy. And she showed me that love as she was loved by him. Find somebody who loves Jesus more than you. Because if they can love Jesus and be loved by Jesus, they'll know how to love you properly. I'm going to speak to the men real quick just because I can. I know one of the hardest things for you to do is to come to church and sing worship songs because men don't sing. But you know, I, I watch to see those who love Jesus don't care whether you see them singing or not because you just want him to hear your heart. You want him to hear your love. But if you can't sing in a congregation of people who are singing to a God that, that they believe in, How hard is it going to be for you to write a song for your wife and sing it to her? You say, well, it'll be corny, it'll be stupid. She's not going to think it's stupid. And if she laughs at you, it's probably because it was funny. Or you're funny. So ladies, if your husband writes a song and he sings it to you, no matter how off-key it is, recognize that he's done something that's been hard to do. He's put himself out there and said, I want to love my wife and I want you to know that that I love you. See, I say that because I know, ladies, it's probably easier for you to write a song for your husband. And please don't write Highway to Hell. (laughs) Because I know sometimes, let's be honest, ladies, that's what relationship feels like. What they need is to know love. If you're single, start writing love songs now. Start writing love songs to somebody that you're going to be interested in. Because how cool would that be if you start dating somebody and you're already writing a love song for them? You're sharing your heart. You're fighting for love. You're fierce in your love for them. Ladies, single ladies, wouldn't that be attractive? To have somebody be fierce in their love for you? Young, young guys, wouldn't you love for a woman to sing your praise? Because that's what Song of Solomon is. And I know many of you are gonna go home and you're gonna say that was the dumbest series I've ever been a part of in my life. I'm not writing a song. So just to help you with something, when your marriage starts falling apart, because if you don't learn how to love each other right, it will fall apart. I promise you, I'll be here for you. I'm not gonna say I told you so, I told you, I preached it, you didn't listen. I'll be here to pray for you, pray with you. But I'm telling you, God can do something amazing today, but you've got to trust him. Do you trust him today? Do you trust that God can give you the kind of love that he has for you, for others? Together, you and me. when I hold you nothing can compare with all of my heart you know I'll always be right there I love you Deborah Jane with all of my heart and I want them to have what we have and I don't want to lose it so I'm going to fight for it Gracious Heavenly Father Lord be with our hearts today There are marriages that are doing really well in the area of love. But Father, remind them that they need to keep doing the things that built that love to what it is today. To not get lazy, to not get irresponsible, to keep loving by learning how the the Father loves Father, there's some in the room that are struggling in their relationship. They're struggling in their relationship, Father, and they, they need to feel your love today. Maybe they, 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 they're not ready to love their spouse the way they should, but they just need to feel your love. Maybe today is the day they just feel your love today, Father. For I just pray you just pour out your love on them today. Just let them know they are valued, that you care for them, that your love hasn't changed because they've maybe not been perfect. Let them feel your love. And then, Father, those that know your love, they feel it. Help them to share it with their spouse. I know a lot of these families, Lord God, they'll they'll love their kids, but they won't love each other. Lord, let the love they have for their kids be less than the love they have for their spouse that gave them the kids. Not that we shouldn't love our children, but that we shouldn't lose our love in our children because we don't love our spouses. Father, if you wouldn't have loved me, if you wouldn't have shown me what love was, if I didn't see the amount of love that you have in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice of him on the cross, I wouldn't understand what love is. I know that I'm loved by my wife, but I know more than that, I'm loved by you. Father, if there's somebody in the room they don't feel that love, let today be the day they come and call upon you and confess their sins and repent of them and say, I need you. I need to receive Christ as my savior today because I need the love of God. It comes to the forgiveness of my sins. Because I want to love the way that God loves. Jesus, we pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to pray, we have an altar. We we believe it's important to come and actually take a step out. And call upon God here. I, the greatest decisions in my life, which I'm going to share, some of them next week, happened. Not well not here, sorry. Happened over here. If you pray here, this is a special spot. There's a spot in the nursery that I prayed actually surrendered to pastoral ministry. I know where it's at because I was on my knees there, begging God for his love. Why don't you come? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Why don't you come? Come and pray. Come on. Come and pray. Bring your burdens. You're single. You need a spouse. Father, help me. Teach me how to love. Teach me your love. Maybe your marriage is doing good. Come up and say, Father, please keep it going. I love the life that I'm living. I love the love that I'm feeling. Maybe it's, Father, teach me to, to write a love song to my spouse. God's not gonna ask you to sing it in front of a congregation. But how awesome would it be if your kids heard the love that you have for your spouse? If you doubt God's love for you, you don't know God. And you can't be looking at God's love the way that you look at the world because it's not the same. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we prepare to close. We've got a few announcements to make. We'll make those quickly. But Father, restore the love that has been lost in the marriages of this congregation. Let us seek your face in the answer to our needs. Let us seek first your love. We need to feel loved by you so that we can know how to love like you open our hearts up to you today. And Father, whatever direction you lead us to in the next few months, let it be a series of sermons that speak to the heart of what's going on in our lives. We love you, and Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, please be seated. We just got a couple of announcements real quick. One, one. I do want to read one statement at the end, so don't take off, you'll miss it. Go
5: ahead. Okay, so
4: this is my wife, Deborah.
5: Hi, hello, everyone. <laughs> Isn't he a blessing? I love you. <laughs> okay, so our Easter service is March thirty first. It's at ten o'clock at the Astoria High School in the auditorium, and you can start inviting friends if you haven't, and family. We would love to have. All who can come to be a part of that service, our Resurrection Sunday. And we also need extra helpers. So if you are available and willing to help, please see Joey at the, was I (laughs) loud? At the info desk. And um, then also we have our Good Friday service. That will be March 29th at 6 p.m. Again, at the Astoria High School Auditorium. There will be no child care that night. So bring your children with you, and um, it'll be a a family gathering. And then first Thursday is our um, gathering, our March 7th at 6 p.m., that's where we come here and we have communion we have some worship we have some teaching and um, a potluck so bring something to share with everyone and uh, that night we're going to have some of the older gentlemen in the church who will share stories of God's calling the and- old man yes the old
4: men are, they don't all know that but they're joining me on the platform
5: <laughs> <laughs> and there will be a Q&A at the end so that will be fun that will be really great and then Secret Sisters we will be revealing after the service today and also if you want to participate this time and you didn't last time meet with us right here in this middle section and we will reveal and draw new names
4: and that's everything I got one last thing I want to share with you this is extra this is something a quote that I read that I just thought was important Martin Luther said it he said Let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. I'm going to read that one more time. Let the wife make the husband glad to come home and let him make her sorry to see him leave. We need that kind of love in our lives. Let's pray one last time. Father, we love you. Speak to our hearts. Don't let it... Don't let it just end with this moment. Because Father, if they could feel your love, if they could know your love, they could love the way that you love and that would change the world for all of them. You've blessed me and I'm grateful for that and I want to make sure that you know that I am thankful for the work that you've done in my wife and in my life. But I don't want to hold it just to myself. I want to see others have the testimony that Christ has changed the way that they love in the home. Open our hearts, Lord God. We love you. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said? Y'all are dismissed. Please don't forget your kids.